You're listening to Office Politics, brought to you by the Revolt Career Network, formerly BYOB Revolt. Welcome back to Office Politics, y'all. I am Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the place where we get down and dirty about the things that are happening behind closed corporate doors. And Back by Popular Demand is a solo cup episode. Now, if uh, if you somehow missed the other one, a solo cup episode is where I pour something in a solo cup. Well, not literally. It's Actually, this like Brooklyn coffee mug that I got when I was in Brooklyn. Uh, but anyway, it's where I pour something. Um, today, it's coffee. And uh, I have a solo episode. So it's just a lot of me for a long time. If that is not your jam, I don't uh, hate you for it. I really understand. Um, but then we'll, you know, we'll see you next week. But if you are a fan of rambling, introspection, and a lot of hot takes, then my God, please pull up a seat. Um, today we are going to be talking about micromanagement um, because it was on my mind. In fact, micromanagement is pretty much why I am here, but I will get into that later on. So here's how we're going to break it down. You know, act one. We're going to talk about my personal, um, not backed by science, opinions about micromanagers and why they are the way they are. Act two, what to do if you are dealing with a micromanager. And act three, my message to you if you are a micromanager. It's juicy. All right, guys, let's get into it. So what is a micromanager? I think most of us probably know what it is. It is somebody who is your manager, but um, rather than, yeah, you know, look over your work, give you guidance, kind of work alongside you as a mentor or a supervisor, they are more of a drill sergeant, a dictator. They are very controlling. They want to know what you're doing, when you're doing it, how you're doing it. They seem to have uh, way too much of their hands in the cookie jar or they're just too far into the weeds. There's a lot of idioms because I think this is just a universal issue that all of us have to deal with. Now, I personally have said this before. I think I've gotten really lucky for the large majority of my career with managers. Um, I've had like super chill wax ones. Shout out to Eric if you're watching. And I've had managers who took great interest in me and developed me and poured into me. Hi, Megan and Erica. Um, And then I've had other managers who will remain nameless And for me personally, I think the reason we perhaps didn't jive was their form of management was just, uh, you know, a little helicopter mom for my taste. And I think micromanagers have actually like really good intentions um, most of the time. I think you kind of have 
these three overarching micromanagers. Again, none of this is backed by science. It's purely anecdotal research. But the first one is kind of like the best case scenario, the mom of the group. They just want to make sure that their team is taken care of, that everyone is, you know, dotting their I's, looping their Q's. Wait, dotting the I, crossing T's, dotting I's. But don't we do something with Q's? I swear to God we do. Okay, but regardless. (laughs) See, a micromanager the mom micromanager would have helped me with that idiom and made me uh, retake uh, this recording and uh, been the stage mom in the background. So again, you just kind of have like that mama bear micromanager who I think really cares. Typically, I've seen this micromanager when I'm at a smaller company and You know, they poured their savings and basically all of their life into their company. Um, So it's a little bit easier, I think, to have compassion for those people because, hey, if I put my entire life savings into – well, I guess I kind of am right now. Um, But that's also why I actually – I'm a solo entrepreneur because I can very easily see where somebody becomes that mama bear micromanager and the intention is good, but the um, the outcome just comes off overbearing. So that's the first one. Now, the second one is the insecure micromanager. The over, they're overcompensating. They're the yellow Ferrari micromanager. <laughs> child. And uh, if you couldn't tell already, I got someone in mind. Um, This particular person, I think he just felt like here is a textbook of how everyone should be. And if you are not the definition, the dictionary definition of insert position here, you're wrong. And I'm also going to try to fix you. Everything was very black and white, and I just felt like he was always overcompensating for some of his own insecurities. Um, Because, you know, I'm also an armchair uh, therapist and psychologist, in addition to being a podcast host. Um, And, you know, I don't want to give too many details because, I don't know, people can connect dots, and I don't need to have a LinkedIn beef with him of like, why are you talking about me on your podcast? But I think when we are dealing with a micromanager who is commanding out of insecurity or a feeling of incompetence, they then have to project all of their own shortcomings, insecurities, self-loathing onto you. So, um, actually I'll think of, I am thinking of another person who I worked with. I was taking over her job. She had been promoted. I was the replacement. And I think there was an insecurity that she was no longer going to be the blank of the office. Again, I don't want to, you know, give too many details. Um, and she was just cruel to me, um, If I had a typo in an email, she would reply all and call it out. Um, She she was just really 
evil when I look back at it. Um, in fact, we were at like a gathering and I couldn't even bring myself to talk to her because she made me feel so insignificant, so small. Um, like a, I don't know, like a bruised kid or something. Anyway, clearly I'm still holding on to some of it, (laughs) but, um, I remember talking to someone about it who was a mutual friend and that mutual friend said, I think she is rude out of insecurity. And I was like, no, I think maybe I'm just like really bad at my job and I'm just a horrible person. And she's like, no, I think you're taking this position and you are turning it into what she never could because of just personality differences. She was, um, you know, just stricter. And I was a little bit more relaxed. And so I think she saw that people um, responded to kindness (laughs) more. And so she thought, you know, she feels like she's losing something. um, And this transition is hard for her. And so the insecurity of not being the best insert position here uh, is really eating at her. And she sees you succeeding in areas where she failed. And so she has to point out the areas in which you are not succeeding or not as great. And though I didn't believe my friend at the time, I can look back in retrospect and that's exactly what was happening. Um, I was unfortunately the target of projected insecurities. And then the third micromanager, the person who just needs control. There's not some beautiful sob story in the background about this being their lifelong dream. And this isn't a case of somebody who just needs to go to therapy. This is a case of somebody who does not have a life outside of work and does not have a hold of their own ego. Um, this is the person who just needs control to have control. And even though I'm going to get into how I think you should go with or interact with this person, I'll be really candid. If any of them are lost causes, it's that one. This is probably the person who you will have to surrender or succumb to and just realize I'm never going to change them. They will always be this way. So better to, if you can't beat them, join them and you just uh, learn how to work with them (laughs) so that they leave you the hell alone. And that person is someone where I think being controlling is in their DNA. They will probably always be nitpicky um, and professionistic, professionistic. And for those of you who are into the Enneagram, (laughs) somewhere my husband is rolling his eyes. Um, I think this last one is like the ones and the eights. In fact, maybe I could actually do like all of these. Okay. The one who controls or micromanages out of insecurity or um, just needing or is like the mama bear, I think those can actually be like your twos and your threes. Um, And then the person who does it out of like, oh, I used to have this role. I think that is a three. 
And then, yeah, then one and eight. Okay, sorry. If I lost you, come on back. Come on back. I'm going to get there. So here's why I think the devil is a micromanager. Because you have to be working out of your demons. Or, yeah, your demons are leading what you're doing when you are micromanaging. You either think people are stupider than you um, or that you're better than everyone else. There's feelings of, you know, superiority, wrath, hmm, gluttony. Maybe you just want all of the control, all of the attention. Um, And micromanagers really are some of the worst characters or tropes that happen or go on within an office because they are the people who breed just those cancerous thoughts of inadequacy, incompetency, and failure. When you, it's almost like having, um, I mean, I just kind of compared it to an organizational cancer, but I, I think it's it's almost like a rash or a sickness. You know, it, it's contagious. It does no one any good. And I think it takes a lot of time to heal from micromanagers. I think, honestly, maybe I am just a weak little snowflake, but I think micromanagers can cause people a lot of trauma. Clearly, the one person I was talking about earlier in this episode. I'm 99% sure I saw her out and I thought about it the rest of the day because those feelings of stupidity came back, feeling so small. And that experience really messed me up and um, I think triggered a lot of my workaholism because I then felt like I always had to prove myself because this person never saw my value and made sure that I knew that they didn't see it, (laughs) and they made me feel like no one ever would. Now, by all means, is that a lot of shit I needed to figure out in therapy? Yes. And did I? Yes. Am I still working through it? Hell yes. I will see you on Wednesday, Michaela. But (laughs) it's something that really haunts people. And I don't think people talk about it enough. I think we like to think of micromanagers as these funny, comical robots that we, you know, talk shit about a happy hour. Um, And yeah, it's that. But they can also be some of the most damaging characters in our life story. Um, And also micromanagers can bring up old childhood wounds and old childhood traumas. I think a lot of people... um, you know, if they were always craving a parent's attention, they might, you know, attention and admiration and affection and all of that, you can start to do that towards your own micromanager that you don't like. Um, So I really think there's a larger conversation we should be having. But we are going to go to a quick, a little breaky break. And when we get back, We are going to talk about what to do if you are dealing with a micromanager. (music) 
as if 2020 couldn't get any more stressful, winter is coming. The holidays are around the corner. Every year I get stressed out about what to get, what to buy, what to purchase. In fact, me and Jordan have a no gifts rule in our house because it's that anxious inducing, anxiety inducing. All right, let's chill, chill, chill for a second. As if 2020 couldn't get any more stressful, we now have the holidays around the corner. Winter is coming. And I don't know about you guys, but typically my go-to was to gift people with experiences or maybe even a subscription box. But if nothing else, this has been the year that we all have tried every subscription box ever. And if anything, maybe we should all start investing in like Snuggy stock. Is that a thing? Can somebody get on that? Okay, cool. Well, regardless, I know the holidays can be really stressful. We're dealing with family. We're dealing with politics. We're dealing with, (laughs) you know what? Maybe I should stop explaining what we're dealing with. Let me tell you what you're getting. If you head on over to Revolt Career Network and use my offer code, Office Politics, you're going to get 25% off your purchase. But Jasmine, what can I purchase? <laughs> well, oh, 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 so happy you asked. Regardless, if you've been naughty or nice this year, you can get access to our clothing, like our no five-year plan shirt, um, our different like, okay, boss, sweatshirts, and merchandise. And beyond the clothing, of course, we have our world-renowned books, programs, guides. So maybe you have somebody in your life who wants to start their own business, switch jobs, start a new career, or just needs a swift kick in their rear. We got you covered. But again, don't forget, guys, save your money. It's been a tough year. And use my offer code OfficePolitics for 25% off. And when you get those purchases, make sure to find me on social at officepolitics.podcast and show me what you got. Uh, Happy holidays and happy shopping. All right, we are back and... We are going to talk about what to do if you are reporting into or having to work with a micromanager. Now, um, all of these tips are just things that I've seen work um, or advice I've gotten over the years. I applied and, uh, you know, I had positive results. But just now, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not your HR representative. So... Come at me. I mean, you can literally at me if you want to, but I listen, this is not a money back guarantee. <laughs> so disclaimer done, but please keep listening. Um, first is anticipate their needs. So one particular micromanager, and this was one where I think it was like the, just the mama bear, like it was her whole company, her whole livelihood. I think what she needed was reassurance that people gave a shit 
And I think she really wanted us to give as much as much of a shit as her, which is just not realistic. And I actually do think that's really unhealthy to assume that people are going to care as much as you do about your own company. But here we are. So I would try to anticipate her needs. I knew that she wanted to be CC'd on every email. So I just went ahead and started doing it, even on the things I knew she probably didn't care about. But reassurance is a need of her. So I was like, okay, I know she's going to ask what's the progress of this. Let me just go ahead and CC her if she wants her inbox filled. That's her business. I don't know why, but that's her business and I don't have to clean out her inbox. I would also do things such as um, I would write like next steps in emails. So I would say, hey, I'll be working on this project. And once I have, you know, answers or I get a response from whether it was a vendor or an employee, here are the following things that I will do. Um, I know she's really obsessed with time management. So I would say, hey, this is what my calendar looks like. Um she, again, was on the extreme, so I just sent her what I was doing every day, and she loved it. Now, hopefully, you're not dealing with that extreme of a micromanager, but I just went ahead, and I got up 30 minutes early to tell her how I was going to spend every hour of the day, and is it stupid that I had to do that? A little bit, but did it beat her checking in with me on Slack every few hours? Yes. Next, checking in and getting things in writing. So I would also check in with different – I actually just do this with any manager. I think people really appreciate it. Um, But checking in is a huge one. Um, So what I like to do is just send a Monday email and write like, hey, these are my top priorities for the week. Here are like my secondary priorities. Um, I'll consider it a win if I get all of this done. Um, And then I would identify bottlenecks that I was experiencing and ask for their advice. And then Friday, I would recap the week, give a progress report, status updates on all of the things I had set out to achieve. Now, again, if you're dealing with a more extreme person, a weekly recap might not be enough. But if you're just dealing with somebody who, it's really just a manager or just is somewhere on the spectrum of micromanagement. I think I think that's a really healthy option. Um, and then get everything in writing. Now, this is just advice I'm going to tell you as a person who has been totally screwed over. Um, everything in writing, even when you're done with a performance review, we're kind of going off on a tangent, but when you get a performance review, you get a request, you get feedback, um, or you're put on a performance improvement plan. It should already always be in writing, but, you know, different companies, you know, some know better, some don't. So make sure that you follow up like, hey, that was a great meeting. I understand my new priorities are A, B, and C. Or great meeting. I understand I need to pivot in this direction and instead focus on X, Y, and Z. Follow up, make sure they respond because you're going to want to be able to reference something. Um, Something I've experienced with micromanagers could just be me. They forget (laughs) like what they want you to do sometimes. 
and you're like, am I the only one in this Twilight Zone episode? Like, am I batshit crazy? No, it's usually they are so scatterbrained and dealing with so many things that they're just spewing off different commands and they forget what they've asked you to do. I think it's really common, especially with executive leaders. Um, So having it in writing allows you to cover your own ass when needed. And it's just something to reference, like, what did that crazy lady want me to do again? And finally, this next one is not a fun one. Uh, This could be my big Aries energy coming out, but there's a little bit of ego stroking. Look, I don't like to admit that sometimes there's ego stroking involved when dealing with micromanagers or executive leaders, but there is. And I have lived many professional lives to tell you that sometimes I would rather do a little bit of ego stroking um, than do months of damage control or have a bad relationship. Um, Am I rolling my eyes and dying on the inside a little bit? But yeah, that's pretty much just, I think, working in general. (laughs) Super uplifting message, Jasmine. Okay. Now, stroking the ego, I am absolutely not encouraging anyone to flirt with a micromanager or play dumb. I mean, truly screw that. You can miss me with that. What I do mean is, um, so one manager, she wasn't a micromanager at all. She was fantastic and I love her. But I did realize everything needed to be her idea. So um, I'll use something like really, really bland right now so that I don't give away information. Let's say we wanted to paint the house. And look, I knew the house needed to be painted red. I knew she wanted the house to be painted red. Everyone wants the house painted red. Rather than go out and buy red paint and be like, hey, do you like this swatch or this swatch? Or, hey, I bought paint, whatever. I knew she was the kind of manager who appreciated a, hey, I've been doing some calculated research. And based off my data, those in the demographic of blank to blank really appreciate tones of crimson, burgundy, and eggplant. You know, and I and I saw that there was some overlap, and I'm thinking perhaps, perhaps red could be a viable option. But I wanted to come to you because, you know, you've you've done so much work over the years in market research, and I would just really trust your sound judgment. Um, so, what do you think, so and so? Oh my God, I think red is great. You need to do red, red. You do? Okay, yes, yes, you got to do red. All right. And are you comfortable if I buy red from um, Sherman Williams? Uh, You have to. Yes, yes, yes. Do it. Okay. Thank you. So-and-so. It's a little bit of a tango, but like, listen, the dance will still be over at midnight. So you just do a little little bit of that because instead, if I had come to her and said, hey, I I went ahead and bought red, she'd be like, what? What? You well, you did did you even consider orange? Did you consider eggplant? Did you consider um what brush you want to use? So sometimes um <laughs> asking permission is best so that you don't have to grovel for forgiveness and like mess up your knees and waste a lot of time doing that. 
Great. I really hope this is resonating with someone out there. Now, on the more psychological, emotional part of it, if you're dealing with a mama bear micromanager, I think often they just want to be admired. They want to be loved and they want to feel seen. Now, I'm not, again, saying flirt with them, be their partner, or fill a void that someone else in their life should be filling. But let's say you know that you're a mama bear micromanager really appreciates words of affirmation. I don't think there's anything wrong with reassuring them that they're doing a good job and helping them, meeting them where they're at and helping them get to where they need to be. So you can write a note, an email and say, you know, hi, so-and-so, you know, I was thinking about how far the company has come in recent years. And I really attribute that to the things that you've done, you know, list a few things that they've done or their achievements. Um, I just wanted to say I'm really grateful for your presence in this company and excited, you know, for more victories, whatever, whatever, you know, floats your boat, sounds like you. Because I think so often people are acting out of their shadow self. And so if you can just help them, why not? Now, if you're dealing with the insecurity leader, the person who's projecting all of their insecurities onto you, I believe this person wants to be and feel respected. I actually don't know if flattery would work with them. Um, So this particular person, come, like, come correct, basically. So Although the person who really stung me, um, he was this kind of micromanager, I'm not going to pretend that we ever found rapport because we didn't, but I noticed she would really leave me alone when I, rather than be, you know, bubbly and sweet and my, my genuine self, I would come into meetings a little bit more, you know, get my resting bee face out, take notes concise information, clear, straight to the point, direct, no sugarcoating. And I think over time, I don't think I ever got her respect, but she left me alone more. Um, And I think when I showed her respect in a way that was fluent in her language, it allowed her to trust me a little bit. And even a little bit of trust made my life and my working relationship with her a lot easier. So something to try. And then the lost case, the person where this is just in their DNA and they just love control and they just need control and they're a tornado. Boo-boo. What do you do with a tornado? You take cover. So when you see them, I don't know, run to the bathroom. Like, just don't ever see them. We're all working remote. Well, not all of us, but if you're working remote now... Maybe just have a stress ball under the table and squeeze it really hard. I think those people, there's nothing you can do. In fact, the best thing you can do is take care of yourself and know that it's not your fault. It is not a reflection of you. And a micromanager should never be determining your worth. They don't even have self-worth. Does that make sense? Like, we don't expect... (laughs) 
my analogies get so weird sometimes. We don't expect somebody to give us $10 if we know they have zero, right? It's like that. Like you can't ex- expect someone to give you like love and a sense of security when they don't even have it themselves for themselves. So just remember they are a wounded bird too. But boo boo, focus on your own wings, you know, your own beak, your own nest. Because they're already, like, ruining their own nest. Like, don't let them ruin your nest. Which I know, easier said than done. But sometimes I just have to remember, we are all on a journey. They decide to have their ego act out in this way. But that doesn't mean they have to make me lash out of my own ego or make me act out of my own shadow self. All right. Now, hopefully, again, that resonated with someone out there. And the next thing is what to do if you are the micromanager. We'll be right back. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. And in this segment, um, in this act of the episode, we are going to be talking about what to do if you are the micromanager. So first, uh, you know, the hardest step is realizing that you have a problem. So kudos. And now I'd like you to stand up and share your name and say that, you know, hi, I'm Kyle and I'm a micromanager. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Brenda, can you pass the cookies over here? Yeah. And the shit coffee? Okay, cool. So if you are the micromanager, I do think it's great that you can identify it and that you are self-aware enough. I don't think a lot of micromanagers know that they are micromanagers. Um, The first step, I think, is to identify what is it that you're seeking? Kind of, you know, pretty broad. But let's just take two examples. The first being, while I'm seeking perfection, I overmanage my team because I want them to produce the best work. Um, You know, and micromanagement doesn't always have to look like office space. It can also just look like someone who has to, they're just over-involved with projects and you begin to wonder like, dude, you hired me for a reason. Like, let me do my job. <laughs> like, do you just like spending money in healthcare coverage? Like, why did you hire me? So if you realize that you're really in the weeds for you, it really could just be, hey, I want us to produce the best work. I want to make sure it's done the right way. Um, so you're seeking perfection. Um, but then take that a step further. Why are you seeking perfection? Is it a reflection of you? Um, could there be you know, some hints of narcissism within that? Do you feel like you put a lot of your own worth within work and what others think of your team or those who are associated with you, um, how people perceive them? Are you very externally motivated? Or perhaps you're just seeking perfection because you are very principled, disciplined, and believe that, no, there's just a right way to do things. And like, like for me, I'll take myself, for example, as long as the outcome's there, I don't really care how you got from A to Z. Just like, I don't, you can go M, S, K, T, W, like go whatever form. Just, I just want the outcome to be right. 
But some people are very different and they want to know, you know, it's A and then it's B and then it's C, so on and so forth. So well, is that because you like to be able to anticipate needs to know what comes next? Um, do you really value certainty? Um, maybe you have some trust issues. You don't trust other people to hear you the first time and to do as you say. So you feel the need to check in with them or just do it, take over and do it for them. Um, or perhaps you're a micromanager who has trust issues, but it's more so because you want to ensure people are doing their work. Um, so these micromanagers are really interesting to me because you clearly hired someone to do something for you, but yet you are now spending your own time making sure they're doing their own doing their work. It just feels kind of like a weird, bad bootleg version of Inception where we're all just trying to make sure everyone's doing their work. Um, and we're all adults. Um, so I just think there, there must be a crack in the foundation related to trust. Um, now, whether the person you're micromanaging has broken your trust and there is a reason that you're doing it is one thing. But if you basically allow every colleague or peer or employee to, you know, start at like a negative 20 and, you know, they they have to earn your trust and respect. I mean, that's, I don't know, it's going to take a lot of time. Um, but I think you also have to then put a put into place how somebody can earn your trust and respect. And I think you have to trust yourself and your own process that you develop. Um, you can't just put a fence around I don't want to say your heart, but, you know, your cubicle <laughs> and and treat it like Fortnite and like everyone is just miles and miles away. And then you're, you know, shocked when people aren't opening up to you or, you know, you get performance reviews as a manager and you're just shocked that your team is unhappy. So once you are able to identify what it is that you're really seeking, you know, is it trust, perfection? positive representation, then I think we can go into building a development phase plan. So again, let's use the perfection example. I just love for things to be done right. I want it to be perfect. And it's not for external validation. It's because I genuinely believe things should be just, just be done the right way the first time. Okay. Well, have you thought about instead of putting your energy into watching your team like a hawk, have you considered putting your energy into training your team, developing training materials, systems, and tooling? Do you have a phase plan when you onboard somebody to your team? Do you have a process when for conflict uh, resolution? In fact, I would encourage you to look into, create, or invest in project management tooling that can allow you to just set it and forget it. Things like Asana, Monday.com, um, creating brand guidelines. Um, you know, perhaps it's something to do more with detail orientation than it is the process in which things are done. But there's so many incredible aids out there that I think you can put your energy in 
into the back end a little bit so that you can set it, forget it, and you don't have to hound your team. They have a tool to answer to. <laughs> um, and then setting more healthy boundaries. Now, again, depending on what you identify within the first step, boundaries are going to look different. You know, maybe you're the <laughs> the lost case micromanager. And look, I'm sorry that I call it that. I wish I had something. Maybe I should just say the ruthless micromanager. But um, creating better boundaries, I could look back and see that I think other micromanagers, other micromanagers or former managers lived, breathed, and worked the office. And there's a psychological boundary that you have to have with yourself to realize not everyone is going to think like you. And I know that's a pretty Sesame Street answer to a Wall Street problem, but it's true. (laughs) But more so, I know something I had to remember that I had to learn and somebody called me out um, a few years ago was I thought everyone should just be passionate. Like everyone should be passionate about what they're doing. And if you are on the HR team, it's because you're passionate about people. So when a colleague treated it like a paycheck, I was very dismissive of that colleague. I was I was irate. I was like, no, she should be putting in 60 hours like the rest of us. And thankfully, I did have a sounding board to take me aside and be like, girl, not everyone has to think like you. It's okay if this is just a paycheck for her. It is okay if she does not feel like she is doing her life's purpose here at work. And it's okay if she turns in something that is good and rather than great. Like it is okay if somebody wants to submit B plus work as long as it is functioning and it is working. And that's something I had to learn. I had to learn that not everyone is going to have my standards. And that's a good thing, just like there are things I don't really care about, you know? So take a step back to create, you know, physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, and psychological boundaries, both with yourself and other people, but also yourself and professionalism. You know, I think a lot of us put a lot of our worth into our work and the metrics and results that we yield. So sometimes I really have to put very black and white explicit boundaries, you know, for me, and it's not so much I deal with micromanagement, I'm a solo entrepreneur, but I did have to just finally take um, like email off of my phone, silence notifications on my computer, like I don't wear my Apple Watch every day. And I know how like, first world that sounds, but it is because I'm somebody who can be so externally motivated. And when I have all of these different uh, uh, like playbacks or I'm getting all of this feedback all of the time, I can feel my own self-worth ebb and flow with the results that I'm yielding. And that's not great. That's not healthy. That's how I ended up burning out um, earlier this year. I've written about it. You can go look it up, the financial diet. I did an article, but you know, just setting more boundaries and then also making sure that I am not bugging people like over the weekend for things, just reminding myself that 
people, you know, I want to encourage people to have life, like a life. (laughs) And I want to encourage people to pursue balance. And so how can I expect that of other people if I'm not giving people the space to have balance? So, and finally, uh, therapy. I think everyone should go to therapy at least once in their life, but you really could be bringing, um, some heavy baggage to work. And maybe it is you didn't get the right amount of praise and recognition growing up. So you search for it at work. And unfortunately, rather than, you know, beat yourself up trying to do better, you beat everyone else up around you to do better. You could have grown up with a narcissistic parent. And so you only understand narcissistic attachment styles um, which no, it is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. I'm actually working on this with my therapist right now. She like a big thing she stresses is it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to do the work and to work on your shadow self. So put in the work and Hey, if therapy is not your jam, I get it. There are a ton of Ted talks, podcasts, people hopefully in your life that you can speak to and that you can explore. Um, If you want to do some own self-reflecting and journaling, I would encourage you to just almost like a four-year-old keep asking why, why, why. So um, I, you know, I demand a lot from my team. Why? Because of this. Why? You know, and a lot of the times you end up realizing that a lot of behavioral patterns go back to childhood. I mean, spoiler alert, it all deals with like parents and moms and dads and adult figures in the household or a lack of adult figures in the household. But I do think you owe it to yourself and your team to take care of yourself and to really um, self-reflect on why you feel like micromanagement is the only way to see success, to get results, or to get love or recognition. Um, And finally, if you are like, girl, this was all way too woo-woo for me. You are so dramatic. Totally fine. Um, Your team's going to leave and (laughs) you're going to get, like, let's just say you're like, I don't give a shit about emotional intelligence. I just want, you know, that bottom line. I'm about my paper. Okay, great. What are you going to do when your team is constantly leaving, reporting you, going to HR? You're not going to get promoted. You're not going to get that raise and you are not going to excel. Um, And don't think that people aren't going to HR. I was on HR. We hear and see it all. Um, You have to build relationships. You have to care. Would I love for you to care because you should just care about people? Of course, but I understand not everyone does. So if you really want to build a successful team, you need employee retention, you need employees that are successful, and you need employees that feel psychologically safe at work. Micromanagement, easiest way to kill all of that. So there's a little tough love for you. Don't be an asshole. Let people do the job you hired them to do. Give them tools and resources to do and be better. Coach them to be better. But if you helicopter mom them or if you are controlling, you are going to lose your team. You are going to lose their respect and you are going to give everyone a midlife crisis. 
And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that was today's solo cup. I really hoped you enjoyed this talk about the micromanagement BS that most of us deal with. But I want to hear from you. Um, Again, I just served y'all anecdotal realness. What has your experience been like? Are you a micromanager or uh, did you have one and you did something and it worked and now the person is totally manageable? Do you think you should give in and give in to micromanagers and like work around their quirks? Or do you think you should just take them on head on and, you know, be just as strong willed as they are and see where the cookie crumbles? No, I want a cookie. Jesus. I had McDonald's this morning. Okay. Well, anyway, hit me up. Social media, officepolitics.podcast or Jasmine Reed Clark on Instagram. And I will talk to you guys later. Bye, y'all.